the people who ended up in other places. Some had ended up in refugee camps. Sweden camp. and Some had gone to Sweden England. and uh, uh, a small number in the States. Uh, but a lot of them eventually we, we picked up over the next couple of years. Ah. Uh, then when, I, when we closed Uganda... Uh, yes, I just want to for a second. And we're going to talk about what it was like at the very end. Okay. I just so I remember Idi Amin said, you Asians have 90 days to yeah. leave. Yeah. So Mike, you got some people on a plane. The planes are coming. They're taking them to Montreal. Okay. The days are going by. You're on your last days. What's that like? Uh, it... it, it Happily, the, the last days were, were quite orderly because the team had, had really learned to work together and we understood the, the, you know, and had a lot of confidence in the people we were dealing with. But we, I, I think within 20 days before closing, we actually had a team come out from Canada to say, okay, if you're going to shut down, have you thought of these things? So it was really helpful. We oh. had a team come out uh, and, uh, and talked about, uh, actually set up, helped us set up a, a kind of a timetable of uh, when people would be released to go back to their to their regular jobs, uh, what would be done with the files, uh, what when when could the medical team go because they had all this equipment to to pack up and take with them, uh, what would uh, and then there was there was it was very much understood that there would be a visa section opening up in Nairobi as a result of all this. Okay. So the the my last day was was kind of interesting because the. Uh, Last day we were operating, uh, I remember going to uh, to lunch. My favorite restaurant was the Bat Valley uh, Restaurant. Is no which, more. Which was no more, yes, of course. Uh, and uh, uh, they had wonderful kebabs. And going there, and again, they were so slow. Anyways, going there, and I'd gotten to know the man who owned it very well. And uh, and so we were having lunch, and I said, well, well, when are you going to Canada? And he said, well, you never called my number. <gasps> and I thought... How could this be? This guy runs a terrific restaurant. <laughs> yeah, my business kebab. So I said, "Well, gee, Willikers, you, you know, we're only open this afternoon. You better why don't you come in this afternoon, and I'll, I'll we'll pull the file and see whether there's anything we can do." Well, immediately we opened the file. It, he had the citizenship of another country, so that's why he would have been he would have been screened out. But I thought, on the other hand, he runs a great restaurant. <laughs> And so I said, you know, and in those days, Indian good Indian restaurants in, in, in Canada were kind of rare. So I thought a little. I talked to the boss, and he said, I said, you know, I think we should, we we should let this guy go. And he said, well, does he have a, 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 does he have any money? I said, he's probably got enough money to start a restaurant, which he did. Uh, so uh, we gave him a permit and sent him on his way. And he opened a restaurant in Ottawa not long after that. Uh, wow. There were other people. Somebody I, I I ran into recently who who'd come every day for weeks. And sat in the waiting room asking to see an officer, and continually being told, "No, your you know your file's been been re refused. Your file's been refused." And again that afternoon when I got back, one of the secretaries who was manning the front desk said, "You know, Mike, that guy over there has been here every day for two weeks." And and she said, "We looked at the file, and he's he falls outside of the category." But Mike, you bet you know you should have a talk with him. So I did. I called him in and. and uh, and you know it was clear because of uh, the uh, I guess the family had access to other places. Game was the sort of case where yes, it was logical to rule them out. But I thought, wait, well, this guy's been coming every day for two weeks. That says something. So I said, okay, twenty I looked points at, for character. <laughs> you know, determination. And then he said, well, what about my brother? I said, well, what about your brother? He said, well, but you haven't, didn't go my brother either. I said, 
you know, we're closing in an hour. He said, I'll be back. <laughs> I ran into him not long ago in Vancouver. Did you? I had, yeah, I ran into him not long ago in Vancouver. So it's really quite amazing uh, to see that. The, we, we, shut the, we got the last flight out uh, right so that, so that the last agents going to Canada were out just before the deadline. Wow. And we were able to ship uh, some of the equipment uh, home in the flight because it wasn't quite full. So some, a lot of the, the files and stuff were sent out on it. Uh, Roger St. Vincent uh, left, uh, I think, three days after the deadline. And most of the staff left about the same time. I stayed on with Mo Benoit, my friend who ran the front desk, for an extra day just making sure that all the bills were paid and that the, you know, that the, the, the uh, material were, uh, were, uh, were all collected and the files didn't fall at the wrong end. And one of the clerks from the uh, embassy, the High Commission in Nairobi, took all the records on the train back to to Nairobi for safekeeping. Oh, okay. And uh, and airlines were shutting down service at that stage, and we got the last flight uh, uh, out out of Nairobi the following or out, out to Nairobi the following day. We were told this flight will not be repeated anymore. I think they. You know, they shut down flights for quite some time, so we were lucky to get out when we did. And then I arrived in in Nairobi, and there was a message waiting for me from Roger saying, Mike, stay here and pick up the pieces. Uh, and so I stayed another two weeks because the there were a lot of Asian, Ugandan Asians who'd fled into Ken Kenya, yeah. but who had, you know, who had uh, family uh, connections and other connections with Canada. And so I, I remember... Uh, uh, you know, spending the morning with the high commissioner, uh, and uh, who invited me to lunch. It was the first time a high commissioner had ever invited me to lunch. I was <laughs> rising in the world, and coming back from lunch, and the the elevator stopped on the consular floor, and the elevator opened up, and the ambassador gave this big gasp because the room was absolutely packed. <laughs> and so I, I thought, and I and I looked at him, and I thought. I am a seasoned officer. Said, Excuse me, High Commissioner, this is my business, I'll deal with it. And went into the crowd, got up on a chair and said, okay, everybody who's got a Kenyan passport, hold your hand up. So a lot of Kenyan passports. I said, okay, leave. We're going to be back for you later. Leave. And then I spent, uh, I spent two weeks uh, sorting through an, another, another 150, 200 Ugandans wow. who had, were there and who, on, who, who we actually had applications for. Uh, and then, uh, uh, it, was two, yeah, it was full two weeks later be, before I actually made it back to Beirut, to my empty flat, where I picked up, you know, my winter clothes that I'd left there, plus a big drum and various other things I'd bought in Campella, oh, wow. and headed home to Ottawa. And uh, so we started off the young seasoned officer, and we end off with the. So, but I wanted to ask you to add some names to this picture, uh, if it's appropriate. Some of the names of the Canadians that served alongside you, we've heard Mr. Benoit. We've yeah, heard okay. Roger St. Vincent was the, the man in charge. Uh, uh, I, Mike Malloy was the deputy. Uh, Mo Benoit was the man who handled the access and control. There's uh, a, a Jerry Campbell, who was a trainee at the time, was sent to us from London ran the transportation section at the age of 22, I think. Oh, my. Uh, and we found somebody, an American airline guy, and they together they organized the whole thing from our end. Uh, other people who were there included uh, Terry Colfer, who went off and became an ambassador to a half a dozen countries. Al Lukey, who just recently retired. Um, 
Let me think of some of the others. Uh, uh, several, ma many of them, the older guys, are no longer with us. We had a whole group of uh, of wonderful secretaries who came in from uh, headquarters. Uh, and, uh, but I'll be darned if I can call up their names on this short notice. Yes. Uh, Jim McMaster was the clerk who'd brought the numbering machine that, that saved our life. Uh, there was Dr. Pichet, who was in charge of the medical section. Dr. Leclerc, uh, who was with him, and, and two or th there were two or three other doctors. I have the names written down somewhere, okay. but it's hard for me to recollect them. There were about 30, 30 to 35 Canadians. Uh, oh, Jim Versteeg was another, Jacques Repo. Uh, uh, there, there were about 30 of us who came, came through. Some of us worked on the selection and others on the processing. It's kind of interesting the, the, way, uh, the way Roger managed us because at the end of the day, you come home and the one thing I neglected to mention is that you know, then there was a, the 7 o'clock meeting in Roger's room. And oh, Roger, yes. Roger had a suite, and, but there wasn't enough suite for everybody to sit on and everybody under, under 30 had to sit on the floor. Uh, <laughs> very democratic. And, then, and Roger would, would open a bottle of Johnny Walker and it would, be, it would make its way around the room. And we would, you know, we'd have a drink, and uh, and then he would start talking about how the day went, and what were the problems, and what were the issues, and what were the difficulties, and it was really I learned so much about management from him because he, uh, when a problem came up, he tried to ensure that we solved it rather than him dictating an answer. Collaborative. And he would only, <coughs> he would only make a decision if we were deadlocked. Then he'd say, okay, well, we'll do it this way. But it was, it was a very interesting thing to watch him and, th and not, not be aware at the time, but think about later, how he pulled the ideas out of our minds and let us uh, argue the issues through. Uh, and, and I think a lot of the, solidar the solidarity among the team members and also the, to the extent that we could get consistency, it came from that talking about, well, this difficult case or that difficult case or this easy case or this snotty person that uh, thought they should be treated one way and really yes. deserved to be treated another. Yes. With all that being boiled, boiled up. And then, of course, he'd, he'd announce uh, you know, the next flight, who was going to be uh, working with Jerry Campbell to, to meet it. Uh, John McNeese, who was the clerk, later, later a very distinguished diplomat, but he was the clerk at the time from uh, the High Commission in Nairobi, not only kept the books, but played a major part in going out and, and, and helping the people get ready to leave and get them on the buses and get them on the planes. Uh, but that was, that was an interesting thing. And, you know, and by the time the bottle was empty, the meeting was done. You know? <laughs> I can't thank you and all your 30 co-workers uh, more for all the work you did in making our lives better today. That transition was done beautifully. And I know that I've seen you speak in front of uh, others before, and tears come to their eyes in great how uh, to tell you how grateful they are for your work. And one last question: So you came back to Canada. What did you do after that? What has your life been? In have you been in in service in the government? Yeah, I uh, uh, I came back and uh, went um, I, by the when I when I left for Uganda, I was supposed to be opening an office in Detroit. When I left Uganda, I was told I was offering it in Buffalo. By the time I got to Ottawa, I was told it was Minneapolis. So I went to Minneapolis, dropped my, my goods and the drum and everything there. 
op- officially opened the office and then headed off to Vancouver because Joe, my wife, was there about to give birth. Yeah. And I arrived literally in time to take her to the hospital Wow! Uh, uh, where our beautiful daughter Tara uh, was, was born uh, on, the, on the 20th of December and then stuck around long enough to get her out of the hospital, drive her home before jumping on the plane and going off to, to Minneapolis. We, we served in Minneapolis for four years, came back to Ottawa where I was, uh, despite the fact I was still very young, I got the great opportunity of being Director General of Refugee Affairs. Wow. Uh, or Director of Refugee Affairs, rather. At the time when all these things that, uh, that we had learned in Uganda, were, you could turn into law because the, they were passing a new law in 1976. And so I spent two years uh, doing that sort of thing. Went out for French language training. And then the next two years, uh, 79, 80, and into 81, I ran the Indochina Refugee Task Force. So there was a very direct linkage between what I learned in the one place and what I was able to do the year after. So we, we, that, that kept us busy until about 81 and then uh, Joe and I and the kids uh, were posted to Geneva where I acted as the link between Canada and the High Commission for Refugees and the Red Cross system in, in, the, in the embassy there under, under, a couple of, uh, under the ambassador. Uh, we did that for three years and then Joe and I uh, left, left the, the one by one, the, peel, the kids peeled off of that stage. And then we were offered a chance to go to uh, Amman. On the understanding it would just be for a year, but the embassy was in, in Beirut, which was, a, was the mothership for all that area, was under tremendous pressure because of the war. Yes. And they were transferring things to Amman. So Joe and I left Tara, who by that stage was in, in, her, in her early teens, uh, at school in Geneva. And we went to a man for what was supposed to be a year. And at the end of the year, Joe was on her way, just about to leave to have, a, have an operation in, in London. And I was supposed to follow her and pick up Tara in Geneva. And word came that we were shutting the embassy in Beirut. And I ended up opening an embassy in Damascus uh, as a result of that. For, for, and we were, Joe and I were there for a year. We opened the embassy, lived in a hotel, worked in a hotel, the most bizarre year you could imagine. Tremendous amount of fun, a lot of hard work, a series of fascinating places. And then we, we then spent three years in Nairobi. So we went, uh, ended up back in the same territory <laughs> uh, and, and uh, met many of the people who you know, bounced back from Canada to Kenya and, and whatnot. We were there for three years, had a tremendous time. Joe taught at, at the International School of Kenya. Tara uh, uh, took the, uh, the International Baccalaureate program there. We had a terrific three years. It was really good work and good, good social life and a nice house and, and uh, really a really great time. And then uh, I got... Great cats. Great, uh, great cats. <laughs> and, uh, yes, we picked up two great cats. And then we, got, uh, we ended up back in Canada for about eight years, which included... Uh, by that time, a director general of refugee affairs, uh, director for refugees in foreign affairs, and then uh, uh, two years uh, running the immigration operations in Ontario, 1,500 employees, 50 offices. Uh, And then uh, they offered me a chance to go to Jordan as ambassador. So I was, uh, Joe and I went off. By that time, the kids were long gone. Joe and I uh, went off uh, to to Jordan for a second time for four years. Tara came along. By that time, she'd become a chef. So she, she, 
chef, and the chef, right. and the chef from the embassy had had uh, had retired, so uh, <laughs> they said she could work for us for th for three months uh, while we were getting started. So and she, boy, did she make a big difference, I'll tell you. Oh, so wow. we spent uh, four really interesting years in Jordan. We were there uh, the last two years of the life of King Hussein, yeah. and the and the the first year, year and a half of King Abdullah. We were there during all that time. Uh, very, very interesting job. Uh, very, very uh, satisfying, but sometimes very stressful as well. And then when I, uh, at the end of that, I was, I came back to Canada and I became uh, the uh, Canada's Middle East Peace Process Coordinator cool. for three years. In, uh, uh, yeah. Just, and I started the day the Intifada started, so it was <laughs> wow. talking about an uphill battle. Uh, and I did that for three years and retired in 2003. Wow. And since then, I've been working mainly on projects relating to the Middle East peace process. All right, and I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to say thank you so much. It's my great pleasure. And uh, take care, yeah. you and Joe. We will. And we'll talk to you again. Yeah. Quick one, you're now doing something.